Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to another London Council's Let's Talk About podcast. Today, our Let's Talk About podcast will focus on illegal tobacco. I'd like to introduce myself, Valerie Solomon, and I work in the Health and Adult Services team at London Councils. And I've got two experts in the room who would contribute to the discussion. I'm David Hunt, I'm a Senior Trading Standards Officer at the London Borough of Hackney. I'm also the London Trading Standards Lead on illegal tobacco and alcohol. Hi, and I'm Michelle Kemp. I'm part of the Public Health England's London team for alcohol, drugs and tobacco. And just a quick note that Public Health England is an executive agency of the Department of Health and Social Care. And one of our roles is to support local authorities and all of our partners in delivering against health inequalities. Excellent. Thanks both of you for participating. So I suppose one of the things um, people might want to ask is why are London boroughs concerned about illegal tobacco? Well, part of my concern is illegal tobacco makes it easier for young people to access tobacco um, from shops. It's cheaper, so it's more affordable. It also undermines the pricing of tobacco to, for the public health side of things because it, the products are cheaper and people can still afford them. I think it's an interesting one and it's not one that's always obvious um, but you know the fact that we all know that tobacco impacts on health um, as will illegal tobacco but also about for our young people about how accessible it becomes but also there is something around the impact it generally has on communica- communities and what that means in terms of increased crime or people that are drawn into an area so it can kind of impact on so many different areas and in so many different ways. Because we all know that smoking is the leading cause of preventable illness and premature death in England, with about half of all lifelong smokers die prematurely, losing an average around 10 years of their lives. In 2016 alone, there are around 78,000 deaths attributable to smoking, representing 16% of all deaths across the UK. The most recent London data shows 14.6% of Londoners aged 18 or older are smokers. And we all know that the cost of illegal tobacco makes it more accessible to those under 18 as well. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's an issue. Um, also, there's an increase with the illegal tobacco and the sale of singles. And that is actually affecting the demographic as young people can buy a single cigarette for 50, 50p and it's a, that becomes a serious issue. Premises that are selling illegal tobacco, that's not their only issue with our communities. I'm often asked, um, but you know, I'm not a non-smoker, I'm not a smoker, so why should I care? Why should I care about this? You know, there's lots of other things that I'm really concerned about. I'm concerned about education, I'm concerned about my roads, so why should I care about this as well? The thing for me is, as I said, is that this issue can affect everybody. And, you know, it does sound emotive, but, you know, do you want your children or your grandchildren to start smoking? And as Dave said, with singles being so readily available, that kind of lends itself to children and their pocket money. And, you know, who wants to to live in a kind of crime-riddled area? The other thing with the illegal tobacco as well is if low-income families can access tobacco it's going to affect the quality of life because they're still going to be spending their money on tobacco products and not on things for the family.
So we, there are quite a few key players tackling illegal tobacco in London at both a local and a pan-London level. I know obviously at a pan-London level there are obviously Public Health England, Directors of Public Health, Customs and Excise, Her Majesty's Inland Revenue and the Met Police. But at a local level, who are the key players, um, David? Well, the, the lead at a local level are trading standards. Um, they're the part of the authority that has the statutory powers to deal with illegal tobacco. Um, we can pull in partners within the authority, the community safety teams, local licensing police teams, local licensing officers, and then bring in external partners such as the dog, dog handlers. And we can then go out and tackle this, these tobacco products how do you obviously you mentioned and i mentioned um, the met police so what are the link the known links between illegal tobacco and crime obviously we know that illegal tobacco is has strong links with organized crime and also criminal gangs and some people are smuggling and distributing and selling it are involved in other aspects such as drug dealing money laundering people trafficking and even terror terrorism so how do you, as a trading standards um, body, how do you work with um, the, 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 you know, to tackle the sort of criminal elements of illegal tobacco? The, obviously the shops that are selling illegal tobacco are looked at, intelligence is gathered. Um, we try and trace the source of the tobacco. So trace it back, not just the sellers, but who the gangs that are bringing it in and try and cut off the funding stream for these other, like, other crimes that you've spoken about. We've seen illegal tobacco not only linked with illegal alcohol, um, there's been linked with people trafficking, there's been links with terrorism that have, been, that have been seen, but you've got a whole criminal network that are bringing this illegal tobacco into the country and then distributing it. It's getting through that network and dealing with that level of funding. I think one of the interesting things as well is that we recently did um, a piece of research um, looking at some, some of these issues to do with crime and kind of trying to understand why we kind of miss some pockets as well. And it's becoming quite clear that young people in particular um, are buying from houses, which kind of leads them down kind of a road that we probably don't want them to. So they're going to a stranger's house that we don't know because we don't know what else is going on behind that. And so much of it is not as obvious. I mean, I don't want for a second to be saying that all of our communities are riddled with illegal tobacco, because what we do know is that it isn't getting worse. It's not something that we're seeing spiralling. But what we also know is it's there. Yeah, the, the way it's been sold is changing. Um, back when the illegal tobacco started to become a problem, tab houses, as we know, sold from the houses were one of the biggest issues. Then it became into the normal retail sector. There's more pressure being put on the retail sector. It's going back to being sold from the home. Either in a, um, you know who, who the seller is because you've been told, or it's been sold on social media. And the problem with social media, we all know, is that young people can access it. As you know, most illegal tobacco, um, I was quite surprised, is, is smuggled into the country from Eastern Europe and the Far East. And how, would a normal person tell if they were being sold something that's illegal? And I understand that they um, are, they have non-standardised packaging, um, unfamiliar brand names, often foreign health warnings that obviously we wouldn't be able to read, and no picture warnings. 
Um, and so all these flaws in the packaging can probably make somebody who, who's not even a smoker easily identify something that's illegal tobacco if that's being sold to them. Um, is that right? That's part of it, yeah. You, you have the, the products as manufacturers for a different marketplace, so the ones with the foreign writing on it. You have um, product which is called illicit whites, now these are, these are tobacco products that are actually manufactured for the illicit market. So they will look like a tobacco product, although they'll be in coloured packaging, not in standardised packaging. Um, but they'll be in English writing, um, but unknown names, and that's the illicit whites. There are also um, some counterfeit standardised packaging out there. So one of the big um, issues with it is price point. If it's being sold cheaply, then the chances are um, it's illegal because there is a minimum price uh, for tobacco. It's over £7.50 a packet now is the minimum price for tobacco, which is the duty that's payable plus VAT. I think the interesting thing is, is when we were running um, a series of road shows last year across London looking at this issue, um, a number of people kind of were approached to kind of survey what their attitudes were around illegal tobacco and it was only on the discussions with them that they realised that there'd been a possibility that they'd purchased illegal tobacco at full price and it was only when they went it kind of tasted off that it kind of led to a discussion and when you looked at the packaging it was pretty amazing yeah. and it was only with a really good clean eye and someone with lots of experience that you'd have noticed I had two wasn't. of those myself um, and so so I think you know it's it's the easy ways where we can kind of see them automatically but there are some other ways so it is kind of being about mindful about that but it kind of I guess the issue is is you know all tobacco is bad for you yes um, mm -hmm. and it's quite important that we keep a focus on that all, all tobacco will damage your health the illegal tobacco um, for a smoker may have a different flavour and may have a harsher, harsher feel on the throat, and that's because of the different makeup of it. But all tobacco has a serious health risk. So there, there are some quite heavy penalties for um, um, shopkeepers selling illegal tobacco. Um, they can receive a hefty fine of up to two years imprisonment or um, for breaching standard packaging, the maximum penalty for trademark offences is 10 years imprisonment or fines of up to £1,000 for the sale of loose cigarettes, e.g. singles, that you talked about, Dave. Yes. And up to £2,500 fine for selling tobacco to under-18s. And even shops suspected of selling illegal tobacco can be subject to raids by, raids by HMRC or trading standards with stiffer dogs um, and being used and named uh, and, sh and shopkeepers named in the local newspaper. So why do you think um, it, it's um, shopkeepers still sell illegal tobacco? Is there that much money to be made in it? There is a prop good profit to be made in illegal tobacco. Um, tactics from trading standards point of view are beginning to change. We are now starting to look not just at shopkeepers but because the trademark offences are seen as lifestyle crimes, they come under the Proceeds of Crime Act, um, we have started to look at the people that are the primary leaseholders or the freeholders and take action against them. And there have already been some quite successful cases elsewhere in the country. And it's something that we're looking at now in London as well. That's great. I mean, I think it's probably worth saying that um, most of the small businesses in London 
um, are really responsible retailers. Um, and we wouldn't want to say they're not. And they're honest and they're trying to provide for their families and contribute to the positivity of their local communities. So there's something also about local retailers, if they become aware of their competitors acting in this way, that they have opportunities and they have the kind of space to speak up about that. You know, if people are selling around them, it seriously undermines small businesses and can kind of impact on kind of regeneration and generation of areas. Um, there have been examples um, as well where retailers that have been found guilty of selling legal tobacco because we currently don't have licenses around selling tobacco but because they've also they have a license for selling alcohol that it puts that license at jeopardy and I think you know and all of those kind of restrictions are there to support the majority good honest retailer that's contributing to our local communities I've worked with my licensing team over the last several years and we've had quite a number of um, alcohol licenses revoked for the, the continued sale of illegal tobacco and these traders are then affected, their income is seriously affected. So that's great news, isn't it? Um, so what we, in London, what are we doing on the positive side in terms of working together to sort of tackle this issue? On a borough level, a lot of boroughs, the public health team and the trading centres team have a good working relationship, um, meet regularly to discuss the issues. There's also the Pan London initiatives to work and tackle illegal tobacco. And this includes our um, roadshow, which we've done for the last two years, where the boroughs have got together and we've held, held roadshows to raise public awareness, um, public health and trading standards and Stop Smoking Services have attended and it's been a very positive public event. I think there's a real opportunity for collaboration. And um, what we have is, um, you know, kind of, you see things in the media that kind of has really kind of uh, made it seem that things are kind of out of control. And as we've already said, that isn't the case. But kind of the media can play kind of a real role in exaggeration. So it gives this message. So, you know, you think, oh, my next door neighbour Lee's buying it. Well, why shouldn't I? And I think that kind of keeps that momentum going. But what we've been seeing through the surveys that we conduct at um, our roadshows um, year on year is that kind of attitudes are really changing and people want to see something change. People kind of, you know, want to report this but what they don't want to do is report it and see nothing happening so that's the important kind of role of ensuring that not only do we have spaces where people can report this and we can raise awareness but then we act upon that as Dave said at a local level and yes there's a lot of work being done at a pan London level kind of working collaboratively looking at how we can do things across borough because that's one of the, the joys of London is that people can move across from borough to borough and look at opportunities and look at developments. But the downside of that is when we kind of stop the market of illegal tobacco in one borough, it can quite easily travel to the next. So it's kind of the swings and roundabouts for us. But I think, you know, kind of looking forward, um, we are in um, a position where we're going to be able to run our survey and questionnaire throughout the year this year, kind of looking at attitudes, looking at ways people can kind of report what they find, but also more importantly, feeding back to local authorities and also to communities as a whole about what we have found and what our intelligence 
had led us to do and how that can kind of move things forward. So we stop this, oh, so-and-so is buying and getting away with it, or so-and-so is selling and getting away with it. So we have this whole kind of responsibility together and we foster kind of that real case for action to move this forward, to minimise harm, to minimise crime and working together. So the second annual London Illegal Tobacco Awareness Campaign that took place last year, January last 2018, was quite successful and it involved um, outreach activities including roadshows in 20 boroughs and awareness raising um, stalls in, in another four. And during the roadshows, officers carried out surveys with members of the public to better understand their knowledge, attitudes and experience of illegal tobacco and to find out if people were willing to report premises that they suspected were selling um, illegal tobacco. And that intelligence was received by many boroughs throughout the survey and outreach um, and for outreach services. There were 72 high quality intelligence reports received during that campaign and boroughs have acted on the intelligence and received them in a series of raids carried out later by local trading standards teams. So hopefully we can um, mirror that success this year when we hold the illegal tobacco campaign roadshows this year and hopefully we'll get a greater number of boroughs participating in the activities. It would be very good if more boroughs took part. Um, the intelligence is still being worked on in some areas because it's led to further investigations um, and there has been quite a large amount of tobacco overhaul seized. Within London we've had some very good results with seizures of tobacco. Um, and that includes a whole garage full that was found at one location, um, not as a result of a roadshow, but as a result of another tip-off, uh, which has, has, has been obviously very successful. It's important that the public are encouraged to let us know what they know about with illegal tobacco. It doesn't just affect the families where it's um, being purchased, it affects the whole community. I think when we kind of think about this year, I think, you know, the, the, the kind of um, most areas kind of quite like the fact that we have a physical roadshow in the area and it has the sniffer dogs and you can have information and in some boroughs they can do CO2 testing and we've had lots of councillor support at those events previously and that's led to kind of some really interesting pieces that have then kind of been put onto local boroughs websites and how we can kind of communicate these things. Um, and you know it's supported by kind of all of the regional bodies across London but I think there's also other ways that people can engage this year because not everybody will have the capacity um, to run a physical roadshow but you know if there are areas that are have local events on you know have a stall you don't need to have the dogs there you know kind of have someone there that's able to explain about illegal tobacco alongside general tobacco cessation work also you know you know, we talk about the negative side of, of social media, but we've also got opportunities to kind of tweet some of our messages because, again, it's about bringing everybody together. So it's about any kind of way that we can engage. And we've got some great um, posters this year that kind of really kind of looks at all of the different messages. Um, you know, and if we, we think about the, the borough, you know, all of the boroughs across London, you know, we you know, just a few pieces of intelligence from any of those will have a direct impact on people's health and the community's well-being. Yes, it's, so, it is important that information. So at London Councils, we um, 
meet with um, all the heads of communication. So we help facilitate um, ensuring that they are aware of the activities within their boroughs um, in the summer so that they can capitalise on any local intelligence they receive so that we can actually get the maximum media um, opportunity, make, make use of the maximum media opportunity that, le that it lends itself to. And also, obviously, if there were any seizures, then that would help, obviously, gain a bit more awareness. And also, we work with um, BBC Radio London in the past, and we've generated a good media interest throughout the whole period. But as, as Michelle says, it's not just about the road shows. It could be local festivals that have leaflets that can um, get people talking about illegal tobacco. So we are encouraging all boroughs to engage um, with the um, awareness raising this year, and um, we will make sure that um, our elected politicians know when um, the um, awareness raising activities are going to be taking place within their boroughs so they can get involved if they're available. We also understand how the, um, the Mayor of London is interested in illegal tobacco from the health inequalities perspective and um, there's a reference in the health inequality strategy to um, tackling illegal tobacco because of his concern about the impact on young people who are getting hooked on illegal tobacco because it's a cheap option, but also be later become hooked on cigarettes as they get older. And also I understand that there was a, an agreement, um, a devolution agreement, um, which is part of a memorandum of understanding between the GLA, the Mayor of London, PHE and NHSE and London Councils, making a commitment around the sort of public health agenda in London. And one of the ideas has been to establish a pan-London illegal tobacco and illicit alcohol enforcement team, which would in some ways address some of the um, capacity issues in London and would be able to respond to local intelligence in a, in a much more effective way. I think it's a really exciting opportunity if we can make this happen. There are so many individuals that are really, really keen to kind of move this forward. And we've got a really great model and everything's just ready to go. But as with anything else, we need to find the funding for that to kind of work across Pan London. So many areas have already offered resources in kind, which is great, but obviously anything, any new innovation in this way just needs a little bit of startup funding to move it forward. And the aim, as Dave said, as we move forward is, you know, how can we use proceeds of crime to then make something much more sustainable to give a solution for a, a London level? Yeah, we have a, a pool across London of very dedicated officers working on illegal tobacco work. Um, but they're not, unfortunately, supported in every borough. So it's important that local boroughs support their officers to do this work and if we can get this team going, support that team to come in and help them deal with their problems. So that's a very exciting future and um, I'm sure hopefully the um, awareness raising campaign goes off well this year and um, that's the end of the podcast. I would like to thank Michelle and David for participating and sharing their expertise and thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any comments to make and wish to know a bit more about the subject, please go to our webpage where you find some useful links to know more about illegal tobacco. Thank you very much.